hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I'm your host Ben Kreider and today I'm going to be giving you guys a game recap from the Thunder Pelicans game. So the top stars from that, the top storylines, and a couple other takeaways from Thursday's contest. And like always, I'm going to be giving you a very special offer from my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, so you do not want to miss out on that. But just starting off here with the Thunder Pelicans game, you know, this is a battle of bottom dwellers. That's the best way I can put it. Because the Thunder went into this at 3-6. and six. It's not a bad record. Two of those wins came off of the Lakers. The other one was that 15-point win against the Spurs. So they're like the comeback kids. But, you know, the other three losses, or really, when you're looking at it, the six losses, they were not that pretty for them. You know, there's those games where the Rockets are up 30 the entire night. Just was not going their way whatsoever. A couple decent ones. But for the most part, you know, they were looking to kind of turn the corner and they had two previous wins before that on the back to back um and then for the pelicans it's really just the exact opposite story and you know they don't have zion they, they don't have brandon ingram right now they both didn't play in this contest but they're still one in ten that's all they have to show for it and you know they really haven't had that major major presence they got Jonas valanciunas in this game that's kind of that one star going into it but yeah, they needed something, and going up against a team like the Thunder, maybe that's your shot to do so. But you go into this game, like I said, no Zion, no Brandon Ingram. The Thunder, they want to match this size, because Jonas is the number one priority on that roster. Derek Favors, he's the one who gets the starting nod, and it actually paid its dividends to begin the game. Darius Baisley got the first basket in the game just a right corner three didn't even have to think about it just perfectly um orchestrated there and then very next play you get Derek favors off a high ball screen he sets a screen looks like he's gonna roll and then he just stopped around the 10 to 15 foot range just shot it more of a push shot gonna count as a mid-range though uh, and it did go in. So the Thunder get up 5-0. And then they had another play. Lou Dort from three. They weren't really guarding him that heavily. Made him pay. So they were up 8-0 to zero in the first two and a half minutes. And, you know, that was that. The Pelicans, they were searching for an answer. They got one. But then on the very next play, Josh Giddy made a beautiful pass to Darius Baisley. Baisley was right under the rim, and with Giddy, I mean, he was driving in from the top of the key, and he sliced in a bounce pass to Baze to get the two points, so it was pretty huge there, and they continued to kind of hold on to that grip, they had that major 8-0 run, Giddy's play kind of invigorated them a little bit, and the Pelicans were not making their shots, they started 3 of 11 to begin this game, and the Thunder were up 13 to seven nearing the six minute mark which honestly all things considered is not that big of a lead when you check three of 11 and then they were up eight nothing with just two and a half minutes uh blood down on that 12 minute timer but it's okay they still have the lead and they were looking pretty good and when you look at the point spread the thunder were all over the place in the first six minutes for the pelicans it was only Jonas valanciunas so that's good and it's bad because obviously they have a number one option, but they don't have any other options. It wasn't like only Jonas was taking shots. So it's like one man on offense uh, where, you know, on one side of the spectrum and on the other one, you got five guys who can hit shots at any given moment. So it looked good uh, for the Thunder there. But as the Pelicans started to find points beyond Jonas, it got a bit bad 
for the Thunder. So in the case of that, you know, you get a couple shots in. I think Devontae Graham uh, began it, but it wasn't weighing them down entirely because they did have more points coming in. They had Darius Basie with a baseline jumper. Lou Dort had a left wing triple. They're up 18 to 10. But that's obviously when it kicks in, where Devontae goes off. He hits two consecutive threes, and they string up seven straight points. So the two threes with a free throw makes it a one-point, 18-17 game. Uh, And then the Thunder got a 4-0 response, put it up to five. Then it's kind of just that back and forth, where you get five, I'm going to get five. You get four, I'm going to get four. And they got that. They got five straight to get it clocked in at 22 points. Um, but pretty interesting sub in after that when it got to 22 all Mark Dagnall put in Trey Mann who uh, was on assignment with the blue he was back technically uh, for the previous game because there was um, that game where the blue and the thunder shared the paycom that's going to happen tomorrow I believe too but man goes out there he didn't play in the last game but he got in in the first quarter and he made the Pelicans pay first basket since assignments uh but then you know the pelicans were able to match it just to play later so there was about three game ties in about a two minute span you saw a couple lead changes kind of just splotched around there but it was new orleans who came out on top i mean Jonas got open on an and one and then to close it they were up a single point 29 to 28 just about as competitive as it can get for the four, uh, first quarter, and when you kind of chalk it down to how the first quarter is being played, it was just only through the stars. You look at it, Lou Dort and Baisley, they had 17 of the Thunder's 28 points, and for Jonas, he was going off, but so was Devontae. They had 22 of the team's 29 points, so the point distribution was not that crazy for either side, maybe a bit better for the Thunder's case, but you know, it, it kind of came down to those top two, three guys for the Thunder, for the Pels, really just came down to that dynamic duo there, and they continue to try to hound the Thunder inside to begin the second quarter, that's what was working in the first, try it out in the second, it did. Six of their first eight points came around the basket for a 39-31 to 31 lead four minutes in, that was off a 10-2 to two stretch, and then OKC decided to put in Mike Muscala, in the last game, Mike was huge. He had that 20-piece, had those like three triples in a row off the catch-and-shoots. He comes in again, hits a top-of-the-key triple, is able to get Jonas a tech. He was pretty pissed. And then he hit the free throw, so he got four points off of that. And everybody else was kind of on the same page. So they can uh, they, they put up 13 straight. So you go from being down eight points thinking you might get down double digits after looking pretty good in the first quarter to now, hey, you're on the high side by five points and you just got Jonas Valanciunas, the clear star of the game to that point, his first tech. So he has to kind of be cautious of what he's doing on the floor now. And, you know, you guys are on a tirade just hitting bucket after bucket so it worked really well in their favor they also had another uh, tech in that span as well to help them out and this one was even bigger than the Jonas Valanciunas call so Josh Hart ended up springing up for a rebound you had Lou Dort really right under the basket as well so that's kind of the situation they're both in the restricted zone nobody else is out there so it's just kind of a one-on-one grudge match to try to hound the rebound down but Hart came in with a bit of an angle I will say Lou Dort did come in with 
a lot more heat though, and he actually kind of came from behind uh, to get the rebound, but it's kind of a bang-bang play. I don't know how they called it the way they did, but they called a loose ball foul on Josh Hart, and it was a controversial one. He was not happy about it. Nobody was happy about it. And Hart, he was John at the officiating crew. He was talking to him. I think he might have got a first tech off of it, but he kept talking. He kept talking. There were people trying to push him back. He was not going to, you know, he wasn't going to leave. He was pretty firm on his stance here, and a lot of people were on the Pelican side of things. But it ended up in him getting ejected from the game. It's going to lead to two free throws for the Thunder. And, you know, that was kind of that. But after those two free throws, the fans, they were still in it. They were not happy. They were saying, refs, you suck uh, during some of the free throws. And just like the ensuing possessions, you just heard a lot of booing from the crowd. So that was just a little interesting tidbit from that quarter. Um, But yeah, after that removal, I mean, the Thunder, they just kept going towards the basket. They know the Pelicans are angry. Let's play angry. Let's match them. Let's just feed into that energy because it's going to get you some whistles. It's going to get you some baskets inside. And they were able to get their final three conversions around there. They were up top 56 to 48 going into halftime. So they're able to get that nine point swing going into the next half. And when you break down the numbers from the first half, Thunder, they shot all right from the floor. They shot 41.3%. The big deal though, the three was not going in for them. They shot five of 17. And when you have a major, major fallout from distance, when you're taking that many, you're going to need a pick-me-up. And they found it from the free throw line. They found it from getting all those technical fouls and just driving inside, forcing the refs to make decisions, and they got them in their favor the majority of the time. So they went 13 of 17 from the foul line. And then also on top of that, those that aggression kind of permeated to the rebound side of things. They out-rebounded the Pelicans 41-30. to 30 in the first half and that is a lot of rebounds so they were able to get a lot of extra possessions out of that uh, and just continue the work that they had uh, going on there but when you look at the major players Lou Dort was the guy in the first half he had 18 points which was already his season high by the way he hasn't looked that great in the scoring column thus far goes six of eight and you know he was he was in it from three particularly driving inside. That's where he made his money's worth. Same goes with SGA. I mean, he shot just one of seven from the field, but he did go five of six from the free throw line, which did help him out. Uh, But when you look at what the Pelicans were doing, it was also bad. I mean, their shooting clip was really garbage. 33.3% from the floor in general. No way. 18 of 54 was the clip, and then they went four of 18 from three. That's 22.2% repeating. Jonas was the only bright spot, really. Devontae, he was still in the conversation, but Jonas was the guy. 18 points on four of seven, or seven of 14 shooting with seven rebounds in addition to that. And honestly, the Thunder could not strap down Jonas. So, you know, you could throw two guys at him. That was probably their best bet because Jonas one-on-one was torching favors. He was torching really anybody that you wanted to play in front of him. Uh, just because, you know, his sheer size and strength around the cup, really good post player uh, as well. We kind of knew going into the season that that was the Thunder's Achilles heel. That was going to be where they might get mutilated. And, you know, that's what happened in the first half. Just Jonas was going right at him over and over again. Just kind of had to cut him off of the shots. And 
that's how they were able to get on that major 13-0 run in the second quarter. But when you look into the third quarter, the Thunder got a double-digit lead, able to get two Derek Favors mid-range shots to get them up. But right after that, Herbert Jones, the second rounder, got an and-one conversion, cut that deficit down to seven points. And, you know, they continued to try to pick at that lead. You know, the Thunder, they were going from three-pointer after three-pointer. They were looking to push it back up to double digits because it was a seven-point game at that time. But they shanked two in a row, and Nikhil Alexander-Walker made them pay. Identical setup, identical results. Two right corner threes went in. It's going to be a 9-0 run for the Pelicans. And that 10-point lead they once had was down to a single tally mark. So Dagnall had to call a timeout. It was 60-59 to at that point. And then it was just the lead getting swapped back and forth. Two lead changes and ties took place in two minutes. And it was really just trying to find that momentum and the Pelicans, they were the first one to get it. They had this one play where Baisley was slashing inside for a dunk attempt. It got swatted. And then you had Devontae Graham on the other end just hauling it down the floor. He was able to get a wide open basket uh, to get that lead. But then it got chipped again. So the Thunder, you know, they had Baisley. Again, he cut inside and he got a jam. And then SGA actually had a step back uh, corner three. This was a big one. Uh, where you get that third lead change, of course, because it did flip off the Baisley shot. But SGA kind of had to send up a prayer. He took a step back, pretty good amount of distance in terms of what SGA step back normally looks like. But he heaves it up, hits the back iron off the corner, which typically when it hits back iron, you know, you're kind of just out of luck, right? But so much arc went into this shot. This was a rainbow shot, a moon shot, whatever you want to call it. And horse, you better put a lot of air on that bad boy. So SGA does it hits the back of the rim, but it gets a really soft touch, just goes straight back up in the air, able to hit the front iron, and it just pops right in. So it gets them a 72-68 to advantage with three minutes remaining, and they just kept pushing at it. Had threes from Mike Muscala. Alexei Pokashevsky got one in there from the left corner, and then SGA also got one. Lou Dort had a pair of free throws, literally in just a two-minute span. Got them a 16-0 run 14 point lead in all and that was the highest kind of stint that they had to that point they were up 85 to 71 going into the fourth but the big deal though uh, was that 16-0 run I think in all it was able to uh, tack on to like 18 to 4 or 21 to 4 when you look a little bit into the next frame but yeah that stretch was huge and Mike Muscala pivotal part he had that major three in the second quarter to get them on the run does it again in the third and how about Pokashevsky going in there I mean oftentimes he's not always on from distance and that's even what Antonio Daniels was saying on the away broadcast for this one they're saying you know give the ball to Poku let him shoot it he's like a 27 28 percent career shooter from downtown just goes right into the left corner, gets in that shooter's pocket, and takes it, makes it, gets him up to 10. Uh, and then, obviously, you had that the two plays from SGA and then Dort to really swing them in the right direction. But a 14-point lead going into the fourth, that's one that they uh, have not been in for a while. That's a situation the Thunder have not been accustomed to this year. And going into the fourth, they kind of just need to continue what they were doing in the third. And they did that. You had an opening play where Josh Giddy just drove right inside. He's 6'8", damn near 6'9". That's what he says. 
going up against some backcourt guys that are 6'3", 6'4", on a good day. Just go inside, try to body your way, will your way up for some points. Goes up for one layup, gets rejected. Goes up for another one, rejected. And then it's kind of a scramble for the loose ball. But he got it, collected it, and just gunned down a bullet pass to Mike Muscala at the right wing. And he hit it. That got the lead up to 17 points. Uh, and that's when Mark Dagnall kind of started jumping the gun. He's throwing in some of the rookies again. He wants to see Trey Mann. Uh, and it actually worked out. So Trey gets in like first two minutes of the frame. And this was the highlight play. He slashed in from the right wing. And he strung together like a behind the back, moving behind the back move. And then he turned it into a moving spin. So maybe starting that around uh, maybe the elbow. I think that's where he got into the behind the back. But off of that moving spin, just so crisp going into that secondary move. Got around, I think, two defenders actually to get to the cup. But, you know, he wasn't done. There was still a second line of defense there. He just bumped right into them, gathered the basketball, just pushed it up and in off of the glass. Uh, and that was able to get them up even further. So that pushed the advantage up. And then I think the very next play, they actually got it to 21. Kenrich Williams got a 21-footer to get them there. And it was 96-75. to 75. Seven minutes to go. Kind of just pack your bags, get ready to go to the Paycom to play the Sacramento Kings. But, um, you know, the Pelicans, they were not giving up. Like, Dagnall was throwing out the second unit. The Pelicans were not on the same page. And they were able to put up a lot of points in no time. Three minutes. That's all it took them. Ten straight points. You cut a 21-point game into an 11-point game with four minutes to go. That's still anybody's game, especially when you're talking about the Thunder not being able to score for three minutes and the Pelicans just erupting out of nowhere. So you already know off of that, Dagnall had to call a timeout. He had to put those starters back in. And, you know, they weren't going anywhere. The Pelicans had that momentum tapping into the three-minute mark. Nikhil Alexander-Walker actually hit a jump shot to get the game into single digits. And then it was a bit of a back and forth. So Dort got it to 11 with some free throws. Uh, But Nikhil Alexander-Walker kept knocking on that door. Hit a three-point shot to get it down to eight points. Two plays later. Not much was going on. No points were being exchanged. Nikhil Alexander-Walker broke this silence yet again. He got fouled on a three-point shot, went up for three attempts, and hit all of them. Now it's a five-point game. We're still talking good like four, three minutes left. Five points? Are you kidding me? That could be anyone's game. And the Thunder, they needed a bucket because you already know the way that this game was going, it's probably going to result in a major, major collapse from the Thunder. So what do they do? They put the basketball in SGA's hands. Didn't have a very good game. As I've been talking about it, you haven't heard his name much. He wasn't that effective from the floor, but they gave it to him anyways in isolation. And he just slashed right inside, muscled his way into a layup uh, in the post, really, where he just kind of flipped it up and in, had to shield himself away from the defenders. A really, really difficult degree. But he hit it off the backboard, kind of got a sweet touch off the front iron, and it went in to put them up seven with 51 seconds to go. So you go from the five-point game to where it really is anybody's to now, under a minute, up seven points. You're in good shape. And for the Pelicans, it's a game of time. Like, obviously, if you add another 10 minutes, they are high-spirited. They're probably going to take this. But with just 
51 seconds, you got to get turnovers, you got to get buckets fast. So they turned this into a free throw contest, and they didn't really need to. They could have tried to force a, a foul uh, on the ensuing possessions, but they didn't do it. So it was them just going inside, taking quick shots, and on the other end, just hack them, get them to the foul line, get more possessions going in your direction. But just not enough time, like I mentioned. And kind of the exclamation point you saw from this game, you had an inbound play where Josh Giddy received it. He wasn't the inbound passer. Normally he is, but this is right under the basket after Pelicans made shot. So he gets it opposing sides, free throw line, like two, three Pelicans players are just going right towards him. They're trying to rip the ball loose and as they should be, but Giddy was one step ahead. He just threw a full court pass to Lou Dort, got right to him and he slammed down the thunderous dunk. Kind of called it right there. There were a couple other fouls going in and out. I think Nikhil Alexander-Walker got a dunk to end the game. But OKC won this one 108-100. to And with it, they got their first three-game win streak in almost a year. January 10th, 2021. That was the last time they had a three-game win streak. I think that was game number nine of last season. So... Uh, when we're talking NBA seasons, it has kind of equated to over a year, actually, because for the Thunder, that was their 10th game of the regular season. They're now at 4-6 and six off of this, riding pretty high. For the Pelicans, they're at the bottom of the standings at 1-11. and 11. But this was an action-packed one. I'm going to tell you guys the top players and the top takeaways in one second. But first, I'm going to let you guys know about a very special offer from my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. The NHL season is underway, and at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, they have an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sports on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. Doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a deft deflection, However, they light the lamp, you win. Here's all you have to do. Go ahead and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN, throw down $1 on any NHL game, and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NHL. You must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And if you have a gaming problem, go ahead and call 1-800-GAMBLER. But guys, moving on... I want to tell you guys about the top players and the top takeaways from this game. And it all starts from just the ebb and flow of what happened in this one. So the Thunder, they were able to make do with that second quarter stretch. I think the third quarter stretch where they went 18-4. and four. Um, That really, really helped them out, obviously. But you check the back end of this game. They get outscored 25 to 14 in the final seven minutes. Went from a 21 point blowout to uh, kind of a garbage time situation where you're throwing anybody out to now it's a nail biter in a span of three, 
four minutes. This is a good game for the Thunder uh, until it was not. And when it was not a fun game, it really was not a fun game. I will tell you the final minute or two. Oh my goodness. You're just kind of like, man, when are we going to get closure on this thing? Because it's just foul after foul. And you're looking at the Pelicans. They're making their shots, but they can't get any turnovers off of it. Just kind of that battle of seven points. And, you know, I don't blame them. Even under the situation where like, hey, you know, there's 20 seconds left. You guys are down seven points. What are you doing? Uh, they're competitive. I mean, checking the, the status of that game was seven minutes, six minutes to go. Probably should have counted the Pelicans out, to be honest, but just clawing their way into the situation again and into that conversation was huge. So I understand what they were doing, but oh my goodness, um, it was it was a long, long stretch until that final buzzer. And to see them go from that 21-point lead where you're thinking, hey, maybe Vit Krejci goes in, maybe we get to see all the G League guys to, oh my God, they're going to lose this thing. Uh, it was a major roller coaster of emotions, but I'm glad they were able to get the job done. Dagnalt talked about it after the game, saying that it was ugly, but they stuck with it. And uh, you got to stay aggressive, but also with intelligence. So, Mark, I guess the way he's saying it, they were kind of pressing the issue late in the game. You can kind of see it a little bit. Um, but, you know, in the winding moments, you did get that big shot from SGA, and they did clutch up from the foul line, which was kind of. Uh, the main course for the OKC Thunder in this game. So they shot 30 free throws in this one. They hit 24 of them. And when you check the overall stat line, they needed it. I mean, they shot 10 of 34 from distance. That's not even 30%. That's 29.4%. Overall, though, a bit better. 37 of 84. That's 42.5%. And yeah, I mean, when you check the Pelicans... They were kind of on the exact opposite side of the spectrum when it comes to the flow of it. I mean, they were looking terrible until the final maybe six, seven minutes. And then that's when Nikhil Alexander-Walker mainly just erupted and bolstered some of their stat lines. But they still didn't shoot that well from the floor. They shot 34 of 97, 35.1%. That's not good uh, by any standards. And then from three, it only got worse. They went nine of 35 that's 25.7%, but they actually had more free throws than the Thunder. They shot 23 of 32 from there, and this was just a game of a lot of air going out of the whistles. You had, I think, five techs maybe for the Pelicans. You had the one ejection from Josh Hart, and then for the Thunder, I mean, they were just getting uber aggressive there uh, during some moments, but yeah, um, for the Pels, they had that sentiment in the first quarter where it was just Jonas and Devontae Graham. That's what it was for most of this game. Now, Jonas, he had 25 points and 15 rebounds for Devontae. He had 18 points and 4 assists. That wasn't a major player, though. The star of the game for the Pelicans rested in Nikhil Alexander-Walker. He was pretty much possessed in that fourth. Like, nobody was stopping the man. He was taking guys in isolation. He was hiding in the shadows before that. Uh, but he had 22 points in the fourth quarter. And he was looking to take any shot he had. I mean, if he had a somewhat decent look at the basket, he's going to rise up and he's going to pop it in your face. And it worked out. I mean, he shot 6 of 11 in all. They shot 23 uh, shots in that fourth quarter. So kind of lets you know where they were at in terms of it uh, for, I think for reference, yeah, the Thunder only had seven field goals, so Nikhil almost matched them there, but with the 22 points, 
he did it in 12 minutes, willed his way back in, kind of was that one-man show. Once he kind of got cut off, that's when they squandered it a bit. But his end stat line was 33 points, 10 rebounds, and 4 assists in 34 minutes. Went 10 of 22 from the field. And SGA, who is his cousin, uh, he had some words to say about it afterwards. He said it was fun. I'm happy he played well. I'm happy he lost. I'm going to sleep well tonight. So he kind of got everything that he wanted. Nikhil got a step up. I think I saw uh, something in the Smoothie King Arena where they showed the kind of stars of the game or the performance to look out for as Nikhil versus SGA. I thought that was pretty cool. Also, ended up being pretty damn uh, realistic based on the end stats here. But yeah, Nikhil was on a whole nother level. I don't know if that was his career high, uh, but probably could have been his season high. He was uh, very, very good and creating space for himself. And, you know, he was penetrating the basket, but he also has a pretty sneaky step back and an all right handle, which was able to get him uh, those extra looks. But SGA you know, he, he was good too. Now, efficiency-wise, he was not on the same level as Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Really, nobody was in this game. But he shot 7 of 19 and just 2 of 7 from 3. So the 3 was not there. And like I keep saying on the pod, if he's not in 3s, he needs to be really, really damn good at drawing the fouls or else it's a bad game. And the Thunder are probably not going to be on the winning side of things because you're playing through SGA. And he got to the line enough. He shot 11 attempts, hit 8 of them. He was able to get 24 points on the night when, you know, he didn't even have a whole level that he could shoot from. And based on his shot distribution, he's not taking middies. He's only taking layups or he's only taking threes. You're not going to find anything in that medium range. And he didn't take any mid-range shots in this game. So it was either layups or fouls at the stripe. So he got there and he was able to get... Like I said, the 24-7, also five assists kind of splotched in. But yeah, it's rough. I mean, when he doesn't have the three, you're able to kind of hone in on his driving ability, and that's going to kind of limit his capacity overall in a game. But he still was a positive influence, and I think that final bucket just kind of tells you like what kind of player you have in Shea Gilgis-Alexander because, hell, he was not good when it came to hitting the shots but when push comes to shove and you need a basket it doesn't matter who the hot hand is you give it to your number one you give it to SGA and he delivered that was the game defining moment at least in my eyes to get it from five to seven with 51 seconds to go uh, and kind of start that little back and forth where the Pelicans kind of be forced uh, to draw fouls and then lead to some thunder points that got them up eight by the final buzzer, but Lou Dort was one of the major, major players in this game as well. He led the Thunder in scoring in total, 27 points for him. That's going to go down as his season high, but also on top of it, he was able to uh, make an impact when it came down to getting some rebounds. He had five rebounds in his 34 minutes, and him getting 27, I mean, when you look at the stat sheet, is a bit of an anomaly, and it's not, but... When you see 27 points and Lou Dort together, typically, at least how I see it, I see it as him just being insane from the perimeter. And we saw that in the preseason. We saw that in some previous games last year. And hell, kind of the one that put him on the map, game seven against the Rockets, three after three. I think he went seven of 14 that game, had 30 points in all. 
Uh, when you're looking at him in those large numbers, a lot of it has to do with that, but he didn't make many threes in this game. He went just two of seven from there, and he kind of had to just work as a wrecking ball inside. So he hit six of six attempts at the rim. He didn't miss, and when he did miss, he got to the foul line for it anyways. So he got 10 trips to the line, hit nine of those attempts and pretty much every time he was driving in, you had the Pelican squad just with their eyes just huge. You know, we got bug eyes because they're looking at Lou Dort driving inside. They couldn't find an answer. And Lou Dort was just ripping them apart off of uh, that situation right there. But Mike Muscala too, he was big. And I called the moneymaker Mike last year. Might as well bring him bring that term back yet again. He's always hitting those threes. He's going to be a constant in these games. It just comes down to if he gets to play. And he's delivered. Had the 20-point game against the Spurs. 12 points in this one. And he only played 13 minutes to get there. Three of three from downtown. Was able to get three free throws in on the night. Uh, He just looked excellent. He's kind of a role player. He's a system player right now. And he does it to a T. Just get him out there on the high ball screens. Pick and pops. If you're not going to guard him, you're going to get punished. And even if it's not off a screen, you can put him in the right wing or in a corner and you're going to be forced to kind of stay on him or at least keep tabs. You're not going to find that with a guy like Derek Favors right now. Jeremiah Robinson Earl, I still think uh, he's a little bit away from that. He's shooting, I think, 9 of 20. Unless he, he shot in the last couple games, I think he was 9 of 20 to begin his career from distance. And a lot of those came off of wide open attempts. And then when you got Roby, he's kind of up and down as well. With Muscala, you know that he's a shooter. That's why he's been in the league for so long. And hell, they didn't guard him. And look at what happened. Torched them up. And those threes, they start a momentum shift for the Thunder. All those threes came in bunches. It started one or it was part of one. You had the three consecutive ones where Muscala hit one, Poku hit one, and SGA hit one. But also, you look at the second quarter when Muscala hit his three, Came in a bundle. You got Jonas fired up, got that tech. A couple plays later, now Josh Hart is out. They go on that 13-0 tangent to put them on the map by halftime. So he was pivotal. I think when you look at kind of the dark horse reasons why they won this game, might have to give it up to Mike Muscala there. But you might also have to give it up to Josh Giddy. Josh Giddy, he got all his points at the beginning of the game. Kind of just plateaued after that point. Only had seven points on the night. Went three of ten. But... He almost got a triple-double, 12 rebounds for him, also had 9 assists, so he almost got the double-double anyways without the points, Uh, and he did it all in 31 minutes. The 12 rebounds happened to be a team high, 9 assists also happened to be a team high. Such a decorated passer, way too good for 19 years old. He's six foot eight, throwing wild passes, throwing it through coverages, it doesn't matter for Josh giddy he's looking right over the pelicans backcourt and that's kind of how it's been all year he's one of those positional nightmares that you really don't have a great matchup for and when you do put a six eight six foot nine guy on him it doesn't always go his way i mean he can he can iso he can get by you regardless and you know for the you know smaller guards that might be faster he can still just like muscle his way inside and i think the best moment for giddy probably was the bullet pass to muscala for three 
because it kind of just gives you a representation of what Giddy was like in this game. Just that nagging presence, wasn't getting the baskets, but he was contributing pretty much everywhere else. So steamrolls his way inside. That's what he was able to do. Uh, obviously doesn't make those two initial shots, but the, the hustle to get the ball back, kick it out, and just get those impressive plays uh, were they were big time. I mean, he didn't have to work as the scorer in this game. Uh, and you know, he had a plethora of open looks in this one. When he goes three of 10 here, check it out. Probably like three of those misses came off of wide open floaters. When you get him in the medium range, he is lethal because he can kick it or he can take it himself. He had multiple assists where he did kick it inside off of that potential floater situation, but there were also some blown plays where he kicks it inside to Baisley for that dunk, ends up getting rejected. That's going to get him up to 10 right there. There are also some other ones where he dishes it outside to a wide open man from beyond the arc, just does not fall. So on paper, it says nine assists but he could have gotten easily 12 13 i believe uh looking through some of those missed opportunities for the oklahoma city thunder so those were the main people that i saw from this game but i do think that one person worth noting is also darius Baisley, and Baisley was big time i talked about how his most impressive game wasn't off a 20 point outburst it was just him being a solid contributor Solid contributor yet again on Wednesday. Just 14 points and 7 rebounds here. Played 34 minutes. But he wasn't shooting a ton of shots to get there. He went 5 of 9 and the efficiency was impeccable. For Baisley, really good strides for him. He had that one 3 that went in to begin the game. Only took two other 3s in the contest. And the Pelicans, they were sagging off on everybody. Truthfully. I mean, it was... A game where you'd give up those threes to guys like Poku. You'd give it up to Baisley. But he wasn't out there taking shot after shot. He knew what time, you know, was his. And when he had a high quality look, he would take it. But he was going inside. He was stepping inside. Instead of taking that three, hey, if I think it's a more high percentage look to drive baseline, take a mid-range, I'm going to do it. And he did it. He hit it in this game. And just the confidence that kind of tapped in, I think, throughout the night for Bays was really easy to see on paper here uh, on this one. So he did get that three. He was in, in on the mid-range. And then I think driving inside too was a pretty big uh, strong suit for him. But this probably has been his best uh, patch of games. And maybe, I don't, want, I, don't know, I don't know if I want to say career, but I don't know if last season he was on this kind of level right here where every game like three games in a row, you're looking at him and saying, oh, hey, he played a really good game. And I think in some of them, he was actually the turning point. Now, he wasn't dropping a ton here, but he deserved all of those minutes in this game. So bravo to Darius Baisley. And one thing when we're talking about minutes, there was an interesting pick here from Mark Dagnalt. He put Trey Mann in for 14 minutes, and he was good. He went three of seven in the game, got six points, also had four rebounds in the game. I mentioned that one like really ridiculous street ball move. That was insane. That's what you got to put on Sports Center, honestly. But because of Trey Mann getting those minutes, it took Teo Maladone off the depth chart. He was not playing in the game. He got his first do not play of the season. And as reported by the team, He's going to be going to the Oklahoma City Blue uh, for assignment. So he'll probably play in tomorrow's G League game alongside Credchi. And I believe Isaiah Roby also got dropped down. So they'll play in that. 
they'll get recalled and uh, compete with the Thunder, I'm assuming. But the shift here in the guard rotation is an important thing to monitor. You look at Ty Jerome too. He only played three minutes, but I still think Ty is probably above Teo right now. So there's so many different people you have to look at, and it's a gauntlet here. There's really only room for four guards, and we know SGA and Giddy have those two spots locked up. You got Ty, you got Trey, you got Teo. How about Kendrick Williams? He has been one of the best guys sneakily for the Thunder all season long. Now, look at the stats. He only had four points and three rebounds. Played 21 minutes, though. Breath of fresh air on defense. And you know, night to night, that's how he performs. He has a very high ceiling every game, but also the floor is really high, too. Probably higher than anybody else you're going to find on this bench and higher than some of the guys you're going to find in the starting unit. With the guards like Ty, he might have a higher floor in a game than maybe a Trey Mann. Uh, with Trey, you know it's a developmental thing. And with Teo, you also know it's developmental. So you take that risk, you take that gamble. It's going to be intriguing to see over the course of the next few games how they allot these minutes because I do think Trey probably has earned the rights above Teo right now. And I know Ty, night to night, is going to perform better than Teo. Um, but Teo, you know, he hasn't had that major like 20 minute game in a while. He's going to get that with the OKC Blue, and he's actually going to get the ball in his hands again, which is something that I am really excited to look out for. So I should give you guys a game recap for the Blue uh, sometime. I'm still trying to figure out a day. I think what I want to do is once a week, I'll cover all the Blue games. Um, maybe I could do like for tomorrow's game. I could do both simultaneously, but there was a game that I have not covered yet against the stars that I will be talking about probably in the near future. So I'll get that bundled together. If there's any other suggestions, make sure to let me know. You guys can hit me up on Twitter or you guys can message me on the pods, Twitter at ThunderstickPod. But other than that though, guys, that is going to wrap up today's episode. I thank you all for listening and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.